most gracious and loving Father in heaven. Blessed be thy holy name, O Lord, for the blessing of life which you have accorded us. Dear Lord, we pray that our lives shall be the simple outworking of your will. We ask, Lord, that your love will be shed abroad in our hearts, that as we fellowship with you now, it shall be a means of us beholding you and being changed into the image of the Lord from glory to glory. Grant us of your spirit and help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Impress on our hearts individually the special points of truth that you want us to learn. Consecrate me to your service, Lord. Put your words in my mouth and speak to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, December 18 Perils Within and Without Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 as the years went by and the number of believers grew, John labored with increasing fidelity and earnestness for his brethren. The times were full of peril for the church. Satanic delusions existed everywhere. By misrepresentation and falsehood, the emissaries of Satan sought to arouse opposition against the doctrines of Christ and in consequence dissensions and heresies were imperiling the church. Thus, many were being led into the mazes of skepticism and delusion. John was filled with sadness as he saw these poisonous errors creeping into the church. He saw the danger to which the church was exposed and he met the emergency with promptness and decision. The epistles of John breathe the spirit of love. It seems as if he wrote with a pen dipped in love. But when he came in contact with those who were breaking the law of God, yet claiming that they were living without sin, he did not hesitate to warn them of their fearful deception. We are authorized to hold in the same estimation as did the beloved disciple those who claim to abide in Christ while living in transgression of God's law. There exists in these last days evils similar to those that threatened the prosperity of the early church, and the teachings of the Apostle John on these points should be carefully heeded. While we are to love the souls for whom Christ died, we are to make no compromise with evil we are not to unite with the rebellious and call this charity. God requires his people in this age of the world to stand for the right as unflinchingly as did John in opposition to soul-destroying errors. 
he declared what he knew, what he had seen and heard. Out of the abundance of a heart flowing with love for the Savior he spoke, and no power could stay his words. So may every true believer be able, through his own experience, to set to his seal that God is true. John chapter 3 verse 33. He can bear witness to that which he has seen and heard and felt of the power of Christ. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Perils Within and Without. We have come to the time when the apostles, most of them were already dead. Peter was gone. Paul was gone. AD 63 or thereabouts, that was when they were both executed by Nero. By AD 67, Jerusalem was surrounded and later destroyed in AD 70. The Christians escaped and part of those who escaped was John the Beloved. He was one of the apostles who were among the Christians that were now scattered abroad. Jerusalem itself uninhabited, destroyed, Christians were scattered all over the world and it was the work of John the Beloved to keep them in the unity of the faith and to preserve the truth, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That was the work that John the Beloved was doing. Long before this time, Paul had written to the Galatians because of the fact that heresy was coming into the church. He wrote to them in Galatians 1 reading from verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then Paul says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you than that which you have we have preached unto you let him be accursed as we said before so say i now again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received let him be accursed there was heresy coming into the church and this was the source of the peril that was within the church and of course there was peril without the church Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 358, paragraph 2, we are told, As the years went by and the number of believers grew, John labored with increasing fidelity and earnestness for his brethren. The times were full of peril for the church. Satanic delusions existed everywhere. I take that again. Satanic delusions existed not just in a few places, but everywhere. By misrepresentation and falsehood, the emissaries of Satan sought to arouse opposition against the doctrines of Christ and in consequence, dissensions and heresies were imperiling the church. End of quote. This was what John the Beloved had to meet. In 1 John 4 verse 1, John then sets to give a principle on how to meet these heresies. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world and then he gives a test by which you will know who speaks by the spirit of god or not he says hereby know ye the spirit of god every spirit that confesseth that jesus christ is come in the flesh is of god 
And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. Amen. What is it that John is referring to here as the Antichrist? We'll get to it as what we used to test in his time at least. Who is speaking by the Spirit of God or not? He was very specific. But in a general note, we are told in the book of Isaiah 8 verse 20, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Today, we also need to know who is speaking of God and who is not speaking of God. We are told in Conflict and Courage, page 358, paragraph 4, There exist in these last days evils similar to those that threaten the prosperity of the early church and the teachings of the Apostle John on these points should be carefully heeded. End of quote. So what are some of these deceptions in our day that are just similar to that which existed in the days of the early church? John wrote concerning one of them, one of them and it is the teaching that, did not, that Jesus did not come in or possess the same flesh as fallen man. We just read that now in the book of 1 John 4 verse 2. He said, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And anyone that says contrary to that is not of God. In 2 John 1 verse 7, to show you how important this matter is of believing that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, he wrote, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. And as we saw in 1 John 4 verse 3, he said, This is the spirit of antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Why is it is this doctrine so dangerous? It is because it kicks at the foundation of the Christian's faith. It is for this reason that when you read the book of John, that's the letters that John wrote, he addresses this matter very well. Like we read earlier, there were heresies everywhere. One of the heresies which John took it upon himself to address very particularly is this heresy that Jesus did not come in sinful flesh. There were two doctrines that were proposing something like this in the days of John. There was the doctrine of docetism and also there was the one that was called Serentianism. Serentianism. This heresy against which John was contending was some kind of Gnosticism, false knowledge, that's what they call it then proto -noxticism. When you see the emphasis given by John to these heresies, you realize that it's a serious thing. So what is docetism? Docetism is a teaching that denied the reality of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And it taught that Christ only appeared to have a human body. That's what it taught. He appeared to have a human body, but he didn't actually have a human body. And we'll get to why they are teaching this in a bit. The second one, which is Serentianism was propagated by a man called Serentos. He, after training in Egypt, began to teach in Asia Minor and he propagated this teaching. What was the teaching? That Jesus was the natural born son of Joseph and Mary and that Christ entered the body of Jesus at his baptism and withdrew from the body of Jesus 
prior to the crucifixion. Now the originators and supporters of these heresies are described by John as antichrists. He calls them false prophets. And then he wrote to explain in the book of John, that's the gospel of John. He started in the book of John chapter 1 to address this matter. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And then he goes down in verse 10 to say, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. And in verse 14, he then hits and kicks against these teachings and says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten son of god begotten of the father full of grace and truth why is john always talking of flesh 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 in second john you see him say there second john 1 verse 7 who anyone who confesses not that jesus christ is come in the flesh this is an antichrist first john 4 verse 2 and 3 he says it there the, how do you know the spirit of god every spirit that confesses that jesus christ is come in the flesh is the spirit of god john 1 verse 14 three times now he says it the word was made flesh what kind of flesh that's what you ask and this is what docetism and serentianism was propagating one claims that jesus himself is that that the messiah is separate from jesus that the messiah christ entered jesus who is the natural born son of joseph and mary and then left and the other one claims that jesus actually came yes but he looked like he had flesh but he didn't the book of romans 8 verse 1 makes this matter clear romans 8 verse 1 to 3 says therefore there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit now in verse 3 he says for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh amen so how did jesus come with what kind of flesh sinful flesh and we'll talk about why this is important very soon. It looks like just something that John should have left. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it does matter. Our salvation is hinged on this topic of the flesh or the nature of Christ. Again, to make it clear, because some people will say, oh, Romans 8 verse 3 says in the likeness of sinful flesh. It looks like sinful flesh, but it was not sinful flesh. Oh, really? Let it be made clear now. In the book of Hebrews 2, reading from verse 14 to 18, God makes this matter clear. He says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. What kind of flesh is being referred to? Which which um, flesh and blood are we partakers of? We are the children being referred to in Hebrews 2 verse 14. And the children are partakers of what? Flesh and blood. What kind? Is it immortal? Is it incorruptible? Certainly not. It is sinful, mortal, corruptible flesh. And then he says, For as much as we are partakers of this kind of sinful flesh he also which is jesus he also himself likewise took part of the same he doesn't say of something like it but of the same that through death 
he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage for verily he took not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of abraham wherefore in all things not in some things now in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Amen. I think the matter is made clear from these Bible passages that Jesus came in sinful flesh. Today, there are those who are teaching about the Immaculate Conception of Mary, that Mary was kept separate from the flesh of sin. And that was why she was able to give birth to a man called Jesus who did not have sinful flesh. But that is heresy. There is no scriptural passage to substantiate such a claim. Because the Bible claims that Jesus took our flesh. The children were made partakers of flesh and blood. He took part of the same. It behooved him to be like one of us in not some things, but in all things. Reading Bible commentary. Volume 7, page 449, paragraph 4. Okay, reading from the book Desire of Ages, page 117, we are told, But our Savior took humanity with its, with all, not some now, but all its liabilities. Who He took the nature of man with the possibility of yielding to temptation. We have nothing to bear which he had not endured. Also in Review and Herald, July 28, 1874, we are told, Christ bore the sins and infirmities of the race as they existed when he came to the earth to help man. In behalf of the race, with the weaknesses of fallen man upon him, he was to stand the temptations of Satan upon all points wherewith man would be assailed. End of quote. Did you get that part? He was to stand, he says, with the weakness, with the weaknesses of fallen man upon him, he was to stand the temptations of Satan. Jesus did not escape sinful flesh. Now, why is this important? Jesus said in the book of Revelation 3, reading from verse 20 and 21, he tells us that we should open the door of our hearts and he's knocking. And if he comes in, he will sup with us. And then he gives an exhortation, telling us what he would do for all those who would permit him come to come into their lives in verse 21 he says to him that overcometh will i grant to sit with me on my throne even as i also overcame and i'm set to sat down with my father on his throne so what am i pointing to that jesus said to him that overcomes even as i overcame so how are we to overcome as christ overcame can we overcome if Jesus had an advantage, which is that he did not have sinful flesh? Maybe he had something better than what we have. Is it possible for us to overcome like he overcame? And is it going to be just for God to require of us that we overcome when very clearly it is seen that Jesus had an advantage? Would that be just of the Lord to require that of us, to tell us to be holy even as he is holy? No, it will not be just. And we will be saying that Jesus lived a holy life not because he was just someone who depended on the Lord but he had an advantage he had a flesh better than ours how then can we overcome as he overcame 
And then, secondly, the other part of it which is very important is how can he be a merciful and faithful high priest if he did not partake of the same flesh and blood like ourselves? And second, thirdly, how can he be a worthy sacrifice if he does not take part of the same flesh as ours? For these three reasons, Jesus is the Messiah. He first of all has to take part of our flesh because he has to die for our sins. And it must be an equal sacrifice. Only one who has the same flesh as ours can be qualified to die for our sins. Angels could not have died for our sins because that would be a, an advantage, claiming that an angel should come and die for our sins. This angel and man is not equal. But then man for man, sinful flesh for sinful flesh, then that sacrifice will be acceptable because if a man in sinful flesh will keep the law of God and offer himself as a sacrifice to take the place of the death of all others, it will be accepted because he is like his fellow men. But anything short of that or anything more than that will not be accepted. Lambs, unacceptable. Angels, unacceptable. It must be a man taking part of the sinful flesh that will die for our sins. That is the only acceptable sacrifice. Secondly, to be a merciful and faithful high priest. He has to feel what we feel, understand what it means to be tempted. And that's why he took upon him sinful flesh like, like we read in Hebrews 2 verse 14 to 18. You can go and read it again. It says that he took on him the, not the nature of angels but the seed of Abraham. Why? So that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. What does that mean? That he himself having suffered being tempted, he is now able to succor those that are tempted. And like I had said earlier, to be an example to us of how to overcome, he needs to take part of the same sinful flesh. If not, how can we say he's our example? How can he, we look at somebody with a better equipment than ourselves and say, look at your example on how to do this particular work. If somebody gave you a spoon to fill a bucket and then comes to you and says, why are you not filling this bucket up with this spoon? Let me show you how to do it. And then the person carries a bowl and fills the bucket in just a few seconds and then tells you, can't you see how I did it? Go ahead and do it. What would you say to the person? Give me the bowl. And you say, no, use the spoon. What will, you, what, what will be your argument? You say, how can you tell me? to use a spoon to fill the bucket and then you use the bowl and you are telling me that you are my example. But Jesus is our example because he took the same sinful flesh. He didn't have an advantage over us like many uh, uh, want to think that he did have an advantage. Now to substantiate this claim, reading more from other places. Now, how did Jesus overcome? The Desire of Ages, page 117, tells us, Many claim that it was impossible for Christ to be overcome by temptation. Then he could not have been placed in Adam's position. He could not have gained the victory that Adam failed to gain. If we have in any sense a more trying conflict than had Christ, then he would not be able to succor us. But our Savior took humanity with all its liabilities. He took the nature of man with the possibility of yielding to temptation. We have nothing to bear which he has not endured. In man's behalf, Christ conquered by enduring the severest test. For our sake, he exercised a self-control stronger than hunger or death. End of quote. Again, in the faith I live by, page 
49 paragraph 3 and 4 we are told he is a brother in our infirmities but not in possessing like passions as the sinless one his nature recoiled from evil he endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin his humanity made prayer a necessity and privilege he could have sinned he could have fallen but not for one moment was there in him an evil propensity so what do we learn he could have sinned he could have fallen he took upon us upon him the weaknesses of man that is the reason why we hear of jesus praying earnestly he needed prayer he needed bible study he needed to learn and that is why that's what shows us that he was just human like us but he took hold of divinity which is where many of us make the mistake have we prayed like him have we studied like him have we put much effort like him if we haven't that is the reason we are not overcoming it's not because jesus had a better flesh than ourselves again reading from review and herald april 1 1875 paragraph 1 we are told if christ had been deceived by satan's temptations and had exercised his miraculous power to relieve himself from difficulty he would have broken the contract made with his father to be a probationer in behalf of the race then again in testimonies volume 2 page 202 paragraph 2 we are told if the savior of men with his divine strength felt the need of prayer how much more should feeble sinful mortals feel the necessity of prayer fervent constant prayer when christ was the most fiercely beset with by temptation he ate nothing he committed himself to god and true earnest prayer and perfect submission to the will of his father came of conqueror those who profess the truth for these last days above every other class of professed christians should imitate the great exemplar in prayer end of quote and this is what i was saying if jesus had an advantage over us and with this advantage was able to keep the law of god why then does he tell us to be like him when he had an advantage over us will that not be cruelty yes it will but he did not have an advantage and that is why we see that he needed prayer in his life he needed to study earnestly pray so that he can overcome in first john 4 verse 4 to 6 then john said to the people ye are of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world they are of the world therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them we are of god and he he that knoweth god heareth us he that is not of god heareth not us hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error so here it is that john set forth himself to address this error that jesus did not come in the likeness of sinful flesh and when anyone who is teaching that is the spirit of antichrist and like he said this is how you know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error if someone really is of god you don't need to labor they will hear him like we read in first john 4 verse 6 we are of god he that knows god hears us if you are putting forth this teaching and some people are arguing and they are not getting it and they are teaching the opposite like john said it is just because they are not of god if they were really of god they would hear we can study more on this topic it's a very important one the nature of christ but another thing that john had to meet in his day perhaps the most popular of the errors today in the christian church is that the commandments of god are non-binding among those who believe that the commandments of god are binding 
the vast and overwhelming majority believe that one of the commandments, which is the Sabbath, is no longer valid and should not be kept. But those who say this have no scriptural basis for this teaching. On the contrary, there is a flood of evidence in the scriptures that the early church observed the Sabbath commandment as well as other commandments. In the days of John, like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 358, paragraph 3, it says the epistles of John breathed the spirit of love. It seems as if he wrote with a pen dipped in love. But when he came in contact with those who were breaking the law of God, yet claiming that they were living without sin, he did not hesitate to warn them of their fearful deception. End of quote. He wrote in the book of 1 John 2, verse 3 to 6, and hereby we do know that we love him, that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And how did Jesus walk? In keeping with the commandments of God. In 2 John 1 verse 6, again he addresses this matter of the commandments. He says, And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. You can tell clearly that it seems there was this heresy going on in the days of John, which is the same heresy going on today, that people were teaching, Oh, all you need is love. All you need is just to love God. Love God, that's all. Love Jesus. And John set forth to make the people understand this love you are talking about is the keeping of the commandments of God because today there are people who are teaching, oh, there's just the commandment of love, only love. But what is love? Definition of love. Is it that sentimental love? No. Love means to keep the commandments of God because some people teach you don't need to keep the commandments. All you need is to love. Very big heresy. The worst of them. The early Christians kept the commandments of God and we are to do the same. And like I said, even today, there are some people doing very well, trying their best to keep the commandments of God and many of them teach very nice things, preach very good messages, but they all neglect one commandment and they put it away. That is the fourth commandment. That which they think is not important is perhaps the most important commandment that they need. Look at the book of Luke 23 verse 50 to 56. We learn from there that the disciples, this was at the death of Jesus, that day he died. What did they do? They took his body and the women went to prepare spices. In verse 56 we are told, And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. There is nothing there that tells us that because Jesus died, they stopped keeping the Sabbath commandment. Again, when the church was beginning to grow, when Paul went on his missionary journey, he went to Antioch and then Acts 13 verse 13 and 14 he says now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos they came to Perga in Pamphylia and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem but when they departed from Perga they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down this was a custom for Paul how do we know Acts 17 verse 1 and 2 says okay verse 2 alone says and Paul as his manner was went in unto them and three sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures some people will say oh he just went there because that's where the jews were but that's not the case when you look at Acts 16 verse 11 to 13 there there was no church in philippi it says therefore losing from trust we came with a straight course to samothracia and the next day to neapolis and from thence to philippi which is the chief city of that part of macedonia and a colony and were in that city abiding certain days now verse 13 says and on the sabbath 
we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. This particular passage in Acts 16 tells us clearly that Paul was not going to the synagogue on Sabbath just to meet the Jews. It was indeed a custom for him. He was keeping the commandments of God. Why do we know that? Here in Acts 16, there was no church. They went to a riverside. Why? Because it was the Sabbath and they wanted to keep the Sabbath. How about the Gentiles? Some people say, oh, it's just a Jewish thing. It's not for the Gentiles. It's not for those who are non-Jews. Is that so? Acts chapter 13, reading from verse 42 to 44, tells us that no, that is not the case. Here, Paul had preached to the people in Antioch, to the Jews. But the Gentiles were there. And hear what happened here. It says, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Now verse 44 says, And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city. What city is this? Antioch. The whole city together to hear the word of God. Among the whole city, who are these? Who even requested for this the next Sabbath day? It was the Gentiles. The Sabbath is still existing. The commandments of God, not only the Sabbath now, all the commandments of God still exist. And concerning the Sabbath, I'm pointing this out because there are some of the Christians who say, oh yes, the commandments of God are there, but not the Sabbath. Reading Isaiah, Isaiah 66, verse 22 and 23, we are told, concerning the time we will spend in eternity, we are told, for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship me before come to worship before me, saith the Lord. You see clearly from here that the Sabbath will be kept even in throughout eternity. We don't have any Bible passage or any hint in the scriptures telling us that the commandments of God has been done away with, or that it is not done away with, but just the Sabbath has been done away with. This is a heresy that we have in our day. The problem why people don't accept the law of God and the Sabbath, all of it, is because there is a cross that comes with it. If people will be sincere with themselves, they would realize that the reason why they are teaching that the commandments have been done away with or that the Sabbath is non-binding is because of the cross that comes with keeping the Sabbath. It will require a lot of sacrifices to keep the commandments of God, which many are unwilling to make, but yet they want to be regarded as followers of Christ. They want to have the crown without carrying the cross. That is where the problem is. So, what else did we learn from John? How are we to regard those who are teaching these errors? Second John 1 verse 9 to 11 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Hmm. So, like we saw in Conflict and Courage, page 358, paragraph 4, we are, we are authorized to hold in the same estimation as did the beloved disciple, those who claim to abide in Christ while living in transgression of God's law. While we are to love the souls for whom Christ died, 
we are to make no compromise with evil. We are not to unite with the rebellious and call this charity. God requires his people in this age of the world to stand for the right as unflinchingly as did John in opposition to soul-destroying errors." End of quote. And it does not matter where you find these errors, whether it is among your own family member or your church or your friend, we are not to unite in this kind of rebellion with those who are teaching that the law of God has been done away with, that there is no need for the commandments of God. What did he say? We are not to beat them Godspeed. What does that mean? Do not support that ministry of those who are teaching the error. First of all, we have looked at the error that Jesus did not come in sinful flesh and that Jesus came in a flesh different from ours with all the consequences that come with it. This teaching also branches out in the teaching that we can never overcome sin. People are teaching today that we will continue to sin till we die. That there is nothing called victory over sin. There is nothing called overcoming. Whereas Jesus said in, Re- in Revelation 3 verse 21 that we should overcome as he overcame. We are told in 1 John 5 verse 4, John told us this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What victory is he talking about if it is impossible for us to overcome? Why does the Bible, God speak to us telling us in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, I believe verse 16, be ye holy even as I am holy. That's what the Lord is telling us. Jesus said in the book of Matthew 5, Reading verse 48, be ye therefore perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Why will they why would all these instructions be in the word of God if it is impossible to overcome? Now we are told don't support the ministry of anyone who is doing that, whether with your funds or by sharing the materials that show such teachings. Do not bid them Godspeed, because if you bid him Godspeed, you have become a partaker of their sins. You are a partaker of the evil deeds that come from such teachings. Second John 1 verse 11, For he that bided him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. It's a very solemn thing that we should contemplate. Reading from early writings, page 50, paragraph 1 and 2, we are told, The suffering Jesus, his love so deep as to lead him to give his life for man was again beheld held up before me. Also the lives of those who professed to be his followers who had this world's goods but considered it so great a thing to help the cause of salvation. The angel said, Can such enter heaven? Another angel answered, No, never, never, never. Those who are not interested in the cause of God as we are not interested in preaching the truth on earth can never sing the song of redeeming love above. I saw that the quick work that God was doing on the earth would soon be cut short in righteousness and that the messengers, here it is now, the messengers must speed swiftly, swiftly on their way to search out the scattered flock. Here now, an angel said, are all messengers? Another answered, no, no, God's messengers have a message. I saw that the course of God had been hindered and dishonored by some traveling who had no message from God. Such will have to give an account to God for every dollar they have used in traveling where it was not their duty to go because that money might have helped on the course of God and for the lack of spiritual food that might have been given them by God's called and chosen servants. Had they had the means, souls have starved and died. End of quote. So this is how we are to regard those who are teaching the error, especially this heresy, that the commandments of God are not to be kept today or that we cannot overcome sin because that is the real point that the teaching that Jesus Christ is not coming in sinful flesh is driving at. 
that is there's no point in discussing the nature of christ in such a manner except that you want to teach us now that it is impossible to overcome sin you see this teaching that the commandments of god are non-binding and secondly that it is impossible to overcome which stems from the foundation that when you say oh jesus never came in simple flesh these two teachings are dangerous heresies today as it was in the days of john today we are to have a vigorous warfare against these errors and we are not to support anyone who is teaching such a thing either by spreading the material the videos the books or even giving our funds because when we do that we have become partakers of the teaching and of the sin we must be careful finally john wrote in the book of ted john 1 reading from verse 9 to 12 i wrote unto the church but diotrephes to show you how to deal with such people it says but diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not wherefore if i come i will remember his deeds which he doeth prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbidded them that would and casted them out of the church beloved follow not that which is evil but that which is good he that doeth good is of god but he that doeth evil hath not seen god Demetrius had good report of all men and of the truth itself yeah and we also bear record and you know that our record is true here we see that lesson that john regarded those who were teaching the truth with honor but those who were not like this man diotrephes he said they are not to support him and even he was supposed to be treated in such a way that he would not have an influence over god's people my brothers and my sisters this was the church diotrephes was part of the church what are we to do when we have someone like diotrephes in the church are we to say oh it's god's church it's god's church don't come against the leader so diotrephes is our leader today what will you do you will allow diotrephes to teach error and you continue to support diotrephes when he's teaching the error and not allowing the truth because he even kicked out those who were teaching the truth in the church that's what diotrephes did he says he casted them out of the church do you have a leader in the church like Diotrephes? John says that such people you are not to sustain or maintain them to allow to continue to teach that error. He says, Third John 1 verse 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. What was he referring to? Somebody outside the church? No, Diotrephes was in the church. He had the preeminence. That's what he said. He was a leader. He was a chief man in the church. But then the people were told, even though he's a leader, do not follow him. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but follow that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. And John then pointed to a man called Demetrius. We have our Demetrius in the church today and the Diotrephes in the church today. And Diotrephes may be a leader while Demetrius may just be a church member. And then we are told, follow that which is good. We are not following men. We are following the truth. And wherever we find the truth, that's where we go. We are not supposed to say, oh, because this is a man. Oh, is that man I'm following. Even though he's teaching error, I'll follow him. If you beat him Godspeed, you have become a partaker of his sin. That's what John is saying. Follow that which is good. And then he points to someone saying, Demetrius has good report. Follow, if you follow that which is evil, Diotrephes has an evil report. We must be careful to regard those who are teaching error the same way John regarded them. Do not be them Godspeed. May the Lord give us grace to have the sense not to be tied down by so-called loyalty to a particular organization. Because of that loyalty and we allow soul-destroying errors to foster in the church of God. And we are there 
and we are looking at the this this so-called heresy being preached by the people who are like Diotrephes and because they are leaders we allow them to have the preeminence and kick out people who are teaching the truth if we do that claiming oh is the leader loyalty to the church loyalty to the church oh loyalty to the church organization you have become a partaker of the sin what are you to do then do not support such a work because when you do that like we have read you are bidding god's speed to those who are teaching error and it is satan's message you are propagating may the lord give us grace to learn how to put these things in practice and be on the side of truth not on the side of men but on the side of truth let us pray dear lord in heaven we thank you for this message that you have given to us today help us lord to be followers of the truth and not followers of men lord there may be some who are still trying to understand the nature of christ the commandments of god i pray that you would help us lord through your spirit to understand that all things are possible with god that it is possible for us to live the life that christ lived when he was here on earth to overcome as he overcame because he did have sinful flesh like us give us grace to keep your commandments to have the faith of jesus that we may have a character of christ lord have there been times when we have supported people who are like diotrephes teaching error spreading the message in books videos and supporting it with our funds lord forgive us we do not want to be partakers of the sins of other men who are teaching a gospel that is false we do not want to be godspeed to them and be partakers of their evil deeds so help us lord that we may support the right message and the truth and not necessarily supporting any man but just supporting the propagation of the truth to the glory of your holy name that your kingdom may be established on this earth as it is in heaven in jesus name i've prayed amen